would your education utopia look like? What changes would you make to the way we educate our future leaders? The Fresh Forward podcast is here to inspire ambitious educators like you to have fun, dare to experiment, and shake up adult education. Every two weeks, you'll hear from brave teachers who decided to do things differently, plus my tips on how to put the lessons they've learned into practice. I'm your host, Nija Krik, a learning experience designer and a relentless optimist on a decade-long journey in education innovation. Now, let's make your education utopia a reality, shall we? Hello there. We kicked off the second season of Fresh Forward two weeks ago with our conversation with Carola. And now it's time for me to have a talk on my own with you. So I see these solo episodes as ways to bring certain aspects of education innovation and also of facilitation to reality. Every time I speak to my clients in education, they go like, yeah, there's this, you know, theory and it's all good. And then, whoa, how to bring that to reality? How to translate that into day-to-day life when you are an educator, being a corporate trainer, being an educator in a, at a university or a, you know, a lifelong learning organization, whatever that environment is, the bridge between whatever happens in a training room and the reality is so many times disconnected. So my thoughts whenever I have these solo episodes are aimed towards making that bridge a bit easier. And of course, If you already know me, then you know that I like three things. I like fun. I really like to have fun with what I'm doing. I also am a sucker for depth. And at the end of everything, I really like practical applications. If we didn't put stuff in practice, if we couldn't see how this could work in our own daily lives, then we didn't do anything. I'm not a philosopher. But I do like to think about things at a larger scale, have lots of conversations with my clients. And today's episode is aiming to unpack one of the statements that I get so many times. And that is, Neja, I want to have more fun as an educator. Everything is so serious. I feel no joy. And I would like to contrast that with one of the feedbacks that I got from a brilliant educator who came to one of my programs about transformative learning. And after six months in that program, she said the following, Neja, this program brought back the joy for teaching. And I had to cry then and there, because if that is what learning about facilitation and transformative learning can really bring to an educator who has done basically everything in her life, she has a few more years to pension and she was exhausted and she was looking for a different way to engage with their students, with herself as an educator, but also with the content that she was, you know, hired to pass on to her students. So for me to really feel that power of bringing facilitation in a classroom that could result in such a profound shift from, I don't want to do it anymore, to, hey, I reconnected to that joy of learning and of discovery and of teaching the reason why I actually became an educator. So today I want to talk about a concept that I've been, yeah, well, I've been discovering for a long time. 
is playfulness leadership. But to get there, first we need to talk about playful leadership. And that's, you know, if you Google playfulness leadership, you will not get playfulness leadership. You will get playful leadership. And it's, it's kind of defined as a, um, knowing when and how to utilize play as a strategy and process to energize people to achieve, well, goals. But when I hear, when I listen to this, like about this playful leadership is about knowing when and how to utilize play as a strategy, like I'm, I'm bored already. It feels like a chore. It feels like something that you need to know when to engage in, la 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 la. So if we go towards facilitating spaces where people can really be playful and be curious and all of that stuff, there are a few a few pitfalls that can happen. And I've heard that from my clients as well. So many times when my clients started facilitating and they really, you know, they loved it. And it, what happened was that they were told that they're just playing for the sake of playing, that it's not serious. One client reported that she was then called by a colleague of hers and said, well, now we're going to do this serious thing. And then you come in at a certain point and you, you come and sprinkle your sparkle. And she was like, I felt like I was being put there as this, you know, garnishing or a powder sugar that you put on a cake for it to look nice. But they really did not see the essence that I was bringing, even though it was playful. So I understand that there's a lot of fear among educators and trainers when they want to relax a bit, when they want to step into the arena having fun, being playful, because that is so so many times ostracized as something that is not serious, that is not professional. It's perceived as no substance, right? And granted, I will bring guests on this podcast that revel in the way of the fool and the, the way of playful theater, and but that's their packaging. That's what they're getting into. They They come in with the proposal of, I'm going to do all the funky stuff so that we can experience a different way of doing things. But this is not what I'm talking about here. I would love you to consider of how can you bring playfulness as an attitude to your teaching. And it it is serious. <laughs> playfulness can be taken very seriously because it unlocks such potential. When playful leadership is about strategy and and, and you know knowing where to apply certain things, I would like to propose playfulness leadership. And here I'm a bit wobbly because I've been developing this thought for some time and I'm really curious how will it come out. And I'm curious about your thoughts as well whenever you listen to this. So let me, let me give it a try. For me, playfulness leadership has two components. First is the playfulness part, which for me, it's not about being happy, happy, joy, joy all the time. That, that is just exhausting. Like I am not happy, happy, joy, joy all the time. I have a period and it sucks. And then I'm not happy, happy, joy, joy. Right. And I have three kids and they don't let me sleep all the time. So it's not happy, happy, joy, joy all the time. And if you are to use playful leadership as a way to approach education, it feels like you need to be in a constant euphoria feeling. Of course, I'm blowing it up right now. You know, it's I'm like <laughs> making it a bit bigger to get the contrast across. 
But this is exactly what I'm hearing from my clients, that when they relax, because of the bias towards playfulness in the society, they come across as flat or no depth or, you know, not businessy enough or not mm, professional enough. So for me, playfulness is about an attitude towards yourself, an attitude towards your students, an attitude towards the content that you're dealing with. And it is an attitude that brings in curiosity, lightness, but at the same time, depth. For me, playfulness is that openness towards whatever it is in the room. Whether you have a shitty situation yourself as a teacher, as a facilitator, and you embrace that and you play with it, that's the playfulness I'm talking about. It's like the situation that you're in is almost the Play-Doh that you play with. If I put it in a different context, if I put it in different words, it's as if, let's say you are stepping into a situation where there's something really hefty happening, like there's grief or there's sadness. You can play with that situation. That is the attitude I'm talking about. You can play, you can take this situation as an opportunity to make something out of it, to open your mind and heart to say, oh, wow, this is so interesting. Somebody is crying in my classroom. Instead of going into panic, panic, panic mode, you can put on your curiosity glasses and you step into your classroom with the attitude, I am prepared to be surprised. Let's see what will happen. That's the playfulness part of the playfulness leadership that I propose. Instead of playful leadership, when it's you need to know when and how to utilize play as a strategy and process to energize the people towards an outcome. You see, it's a very different feeling between these two. And the other part of playfulness leadership is leadership. Now, I have immense trouble with leadership the way it's mostly used nowadays, and it's getting better, don't get me wrong. But let me give you an example of where I'm coming from, right? I was groomed as a scout from a very early age. And I am so, so grateful of my experience that I had as a scout because I am who I am because I've been a scout my whole life. However, there was a moment where I realized that the way I was groomed in leadership and perception of what leadership is was not healthy or was not good for me because I was trained in this tunnel vision that leader is the one that brings, you know, that has these heavy shoulders with all the responsibility. And it's like a lone wolf that needs to make all the decisions and it needs to be infallible, always right. Like just talking about this makes me like, right? This is not the leadership that I'm talking about. Only many, many years later, I had a conversation with a brilliant facilitator who is also going to be a guest on our show very soon, Doris Gottlieb. And she proposed a mind-boggling idea of leadership, which was, what if leadership is a verb? And I thought, hmm, what? And if you look at leadership as a verb, for me, it's such a relaxing way of thinking about leadership. It's fluid. It's a process. It's an attitude. It gives you space to play. And that's why playfulness and leadership for me marry so well together. And I'm coming from the same 
place as all of my clients now that I'm, they are saying, I'm afraid that I will not be taken seriously. I'm afraid that no, 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 no. I had those fears as well. And I saw them play out. I saw them play out because people were saying, well, you're doing this facilitation thing, but it's, it, you're just playing, right? And I still see people having that opinion that facilitation, as in making a learning process where people can really step into their own powers. Like this for me, this is the definition of facilitation on a certain level for me. But many people still see facilitation as, oh, there you're just playing some games, right? You're doing some icebreakers. Ah, that is not facilitation for me. So with time, I learned how to live playfulness leadership. And that brought me respect from my clients, love from my clients, also great results for my clients and their students, respectively. And I'm no longer taken as a somebody who's just playing, even though I'm an extremely playful person. Looking back at my practice, I came across, like, I, I, I want to give you a few hints of how you can do that. And what are, let's call them my commandments for playfulness leadership. And those are the following. First, playfulness leadership is not talk, no toxic positivity. I refuse being positive for the sake of being positive. That is not bringing playfulness leadership. Because leadership in this sense, for me, is also creating a space where people can be who they truly are and have the feeling of agency for them to step into and do whatever they want to do. Like, that is leadership, right? And so what I would like to really encourage you is that whenever you think about bringing playfulness in your own classroom, whenever you think of, hey, can I experiment? Yes, please do. Play. Have fun. Incorporate different methods. Incorporate different tools and attitudes so that the learning can be more playful, lighter, and that will never take away from the depth that you want to bring. Like It's almost this oxymoron that if you want to have playfulness, that you need to compromise the depth that you have. No. I can tell you that these two coexist beautifully. They are married. The more playful you can be in that, remember, the attitude of openness, the, the curiosity, the discovery, the experimentation, the deeper your students will be able to go, the deeper the experience they will have, and the better the long, longer term results will you have with your learning processes. Whether you are a corporate trainer, a university professor, a lifelong learning trainer in, in an NGO, like you name it, the implications are endless. So now this might, might sound philosophical, a bit more philosophical, right? Now let's get into practice. First things first, first commandment of playfulness leadership is no toxic positivity. It will not bring you what you want to do. The second one is dare to develop your own style of facilitation. There are so many teachers that I come across that they would love to experiment. They would love to be goofy. They would love to do things differently, but they do not allow themselves to do that because they feel that, that they need to be a certain way. If you need permission for myself, for me, to you, here it is. You have the permission to be who you truly are. Go and be yourself and develop your own style. First, I only emulated teachers and facilitators that I dearly admired. And at a certain point, I was just kind of bumping into walls because I was trying to be somebody who I was not. So the more that I know myself, 
And the more that I put myself in the way I facilitate, the easier it is for me and the easier it is for my, for my students and my participants, and the results are better. So the first one is no toxic positivity. The second one was develop your own style. And the third one was give yourself the permission who you truly are. The fourth one is follow this attitude of curiosity, of discovery, of experimentation. And the fifth one is lean into the power of failure. This is almost a taboo topic in education. You should not, you shall not fail. You should be perfect. Even the way whatever you wear into your classroom can tell what your attitude is. A short segue. I just gave a training, a first kickoff of a training uh, at a university here in the Netherlands. And I asked the people to come in wearing something that will help them represent why are they educators? or why they became educators. And it was such a beautiful reflection that one of the teachers had, which was she put on very simple, really comfortable clothes, and she led with the presentation of, I am wearing this as a reflection of what I would normally never wear into my classroom. And it got me thinking, what type of a wall am I creating between me and my students, also by what I'm wearing? So, I am so happy and grateful for that reflection of hers because she's really led with this curiosity of like, oh, wow, interesting. Even down to the way I dress tells a different story than what I actually want to be in classroom. It tells a different story than what type of a relationship I want to build with my, with my students. Ooh, interesting. Now that for me is playfulness leadership. She is creating a space where she can be who she truly is. And that I can tell you, I can guarantee you that will result in her students having more relaxation of and being, having the permission to be who they truly are. If we go further, another commandment of playfulness leadership for me is respect your timing. And I've talked about this in my episode about my invitations, and it is also a principle that I follow for myself. Respect your timing. In that sense, as a reminder, is respectare. Look again. Are you ready for this or are you not? And not only you as a teacher, but also are giving the permission to your students to follow their own timing. That, of course, means that you need to learn how to let go and about letting go, letting go. I will talk about that in a different episode because it's a chapter on its own. So respect your timing. If you're not feeling giddy and fully of la la la, happy, happy, joy, joy, then respect your timing. It is not place for that. You're still playful because you're open to re-examining, to respect to look again at what fits you in this very moment. And honoring that will bring more authenticity to your classroom and more connection to your students than if you had to fake it till you make it. And then the last commandment of playfulness leadership for me is dare to follow your why as an educator. A few moments ago, I mentioned that in my training just a few weeks ago, I asked the educators, why are you an educator? Why did you become an educator? Or if you slid into it, right? Why are you still one? Why are you still in education? And so many times, because you as educators just go, 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 do, 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 like the amount of stuff that you need to do 
is absolutely bonkers. It's very difficult to slow down a step a step back and ask yourself, like, why am I doing this? Is this still aligned with who I truly am? Is this still aligned with who I am today as opposed to 20 years when I started? And having clarity on what is that why that you're pursuing connects you to the joy, to the original joy that brought you to be an educator in the first place. So please, please, please dare to follow your why as an educator. Not only with yourself, but also dare to put that why into your classroom. As a reflection, one of my clients in, in another training said, wow, actually, what if I, f- I find topic and, and I find XYZ extremely important, but I never thought of actually bringing that into my classroom because I need to be objective. And I'm like, can you really be objective? No, actually not, because I'm a human. Okay, cool. So then you can go to the other camp and say, what would happen if I actually infused my teaching with my personality, with my why, and being very clear as to this is my why, and then giving your students the permission to shape their own why and have a healthy discussion about it. I can tell you that following your own why, having clarity on it, and then following it, will give you so much more joy. And it will open the space for you to have fun and and to bring in different methods. You will dare to dance with people like I do. You will dare to draw. You will dare to bring arts, you know, do interdisciplinary uh, research if you want to or, or interdisciplinary connections. Like all of these things are all of a sudden possible if you lean into this attitude of curiosity towards yourself, curiosity towards the relationship that you have with your students, and curiosity towards the content that you're delivering. So if we go a step further into practicality, what does that actually mean? That means that instead of getting into a classroom, doing your own thing, and putting the slides on, I challenge you to rather think about how you can create a learning environment that is so safe that your students can dare explore what is important for them. That means that you will need to learn how to defer judgment. And of course, you know that you judge. I judge. Everybody judges. So why not talk about it? It's another taboo that I'm like, why? Why? Right? Everybody judges. But knowing, like catching yourself when you're you're judging and then doing something with that information about who are you judging? Why are you judging them? And defer that judgment, like that is a whole new level. So that is a very practical way how you can create a safe space. Another one is a space where you encourage experimentation when you, where you try new ways of engaging your students through dance, through drawing, through walking, through connecting, through storytelling, like all of these things. And what does that result in? I can tell you that I get reports from my clients that students are taking ownership of their own learning process, they start seeing possibilities, they create new solutions that they have never thought of it before. They feel agency over their own life, not only learning process, it trickles down into how they see themselves as agents in their own lives. And last but not least, I would like to mention that they are all of a sudden okay with experimentation, even though that might bring them to fail. If you are able to lean into this playfulness leadership and, as I said, go into 
away from toxic positivity, develop your own style of facilitation, lean into the attitude of curiosity, playfulness, fun, but also respecting your timing and giving yourself the permission who you are and daring to follow your own why as an educator, then you will be able to create these awesome, awesome learning experiences where students will come out refreshed, engaged on a deeper level and ready for the world. Because what will you have just made? You will make this beautiful bridge from theory to practice. You will help their students translate whatever they heard in your classroom to their own lives. And that is what I hope education is all about, right? To prepare people for what is out there, not to create self-sufficient bubbles that have no connection with reality. So this was my attempt at helping you going more towards, I want to have more fun as an educator. And I hope this philosophical almost talk from myself or my side gives you the permission to experiment, have fun, without the fear that you will not be taken seriously. And if you want support in that, and you see this is what my organization would really need, then please reach out and we'll figure out together what I can help you with. What burning questions came up for you during the episode? Connect with me, Neja Krik, on LinkedIn and ask away. And if you're not Slovenian, the chances are spelling my name may be difficult. So here it is, Neja Krik. N for November, E for Echo, Z for Zulu, A for Alpha, K for Kiwi, R for Romeo, E for Echo, and K for Kiwi. Plus, the link to my profile is in the show notes. Let's continue our chat on LinkedIn. Cheers! Cheers!